mean, not to toot my own horn, but it's those were but all. you're going to do it anyway. I decided humbleness can be for next week. Hi, Castlebarians. It is now time to have a casual conversation for the beneficial good of our community. The show you are about to listen to is called What's Up, Castleberry? And now it is my absolute pleasure to introduce to you your hosts, Andy and Drew. Oh, and don't forget that lovely producer, Robin. What's up, podcast listeners? It's Andy and Drew here with producer Robin. We're back, episode 77 of the What's Up Castleberry podcast. If you are a new listener to us, welcome to the conversation. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Andy and I, along with our producer Robin, love to have conversations pertaining to Castleberry, Florida. We are from Castleberry and we are about all things Castleberry. Andy, today's episode kind of feels a little bit, not to give too much away in the opening, but a little bit like a episode of the next National Treasure installment. <laughs> Did you know that Castleberry has quite an amazing history with all kinds of treasures? Well, we are about to find out more about that, aren't we, in our interview. And uh, listeners, we've just conducted our interview before we were recording this front end, and it is good. There is a lot going on to capture our past so that we can use it to build our future. And it's really, really exciting. But if it was like Castleberry's national treasure, I'll be Nicolas Cage, okay? Okay. Okay. So I'm the dorky uh, sidekick. Nerd. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if Robin is Beyonce, I got to be Nicolas Cage. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of history, though, you guys, uh, we recorded kind of a history of this little podcast last episode, the the best of our first 75 episodes. What did you think of that? Robin, you you got us, you got Andy in particular there at the beginning. That was some <laughs> editing work. <laughs> I'm always listening. I know. I like your re- phone. <laughs> it's really scary. I mean, it's like you just record our secret conversations that are meant to be off air and put them on air, Robin. What are you thinking? <laughs> Seriously, great job on the editing. It was actually, when when we decided to do a best of episode, I was concerned that we wouldn't be able to fill 30 minutes. But, you know, as I listened to it, you took us on a walk down memory lane and uh, some real pivotal conversations and some important sound bites that I needed to be reminded of. So, So great job on the episode last week, Robin. Thank you. If I were to say what our podcast kind of consists of the most uh, in regards to those conversations, listening back to that most recent episode, uh, number one, we have fantastic guests. There are people that love our city, that are community oriented, that are inspiring and really doing some cool things. We could have gone on and on with with other guests, uh, little clips, sound bites, quotes from from previous guests. So the inspiration from our those in our community. But the second thing that I, I feel like comes through very organically or sometimes forced <laughs> There's a lot of jokes. There's a lot of jokes. Some of them good. Many of them not very good. Some and of them intentional, many unintentional. <laughs> That's correct. So what better way to then segment to this? Episode? Oh, all that just for this. Okay. I, I will say though, Robin, I really didn't miss the dad jokes last week. It was kind of nice. Let's never ever do a best of dad jokes episode oh. because that will be like 30 seconds and done <laughs> it'll be a lot of robin and i laughing in the background <laughs> yeah. and andy making snarky comments time you've been chomping at the bit we know it the dad joke of the week and in fact because we missed last week 
I've got two for you. Got two dad jokes this week. And since it's the summertime, since people are traveling here, there, and everywhere, listener and Andy and Robin, I've got a travel edition of dad jokes of the week. You ready for them? No. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Robin. Andy, no thank you. All right, here we go. What? <laughs> it's, I'm already laughing. This is so bad. It's, <laughs> it really. I'm like this. This one, I'll admit, I'm laughing because it's bad. <laughs> now go. you know how I feel every week. Oh, listener, what what sound does a bouncing plane make? What? Wait, Boeing. Boeing. <laughs> Boeing. Yeah, you know, if it's actually on a really turbulent flight and it actually. Hits the ground 747 times. Is it a, <laughs> is it a Boeing 747? <laughs> I think so. I think that's probably how they got their name. Okay. All right. Well, let's try this one. Number two. Here we go. Dad joke, travel related. What happens when you wear a watch on a plane? We don't know, Drew. What does happen when you wear a watch on a plane? Time literally flies. <laughs> That was my airplane sound. <laughs> Great. Not only do we have the dad jokes, we have the airplane sound. Wow. Oh, man. Well, there it is, listener. Listener, we know you're not just here for dad jokes, although that's probably one of the top two or three reasons you're here. Is anybody here for a dad joke? Let us know at the usual address. Hey, we want to share some things that are going on in Castleberry. Castleberry in the news segment is our chance to share with you about what is going on. And Andy, as much as I tried to be at this uh, community forum that took place last week as of this recording. I did not wake up, and so I did miss the forum. Sorry, Bill Hufford, but thank you to Bill Hufford, a a citizen in our community, for putting together just a little forum to discuss some of the events and share about what's going on in our city. Andy, you were there, and so I'm counting on you, my friend. What is going on in the great city of Castleberry? I was a roving reporter at the Castleberry Forum. And just to give a little bit of background, this forum that Bill leads, formerly Commissioner Hufford leads, has around the table a number of leaders in the community, folks from the chamber, from the Rotary, uh, Chief Krantz was there, Chris Bowley was there, Christian Help was there, other nonprofits were there, school boarders represented. It's just kind of a, hey, what's going on in your world that we all need to know about? And so it's a great place for me to kind of get some information. Just a couple of highlights. The police department is working on a CSI department. Developing oh, that. I know. CSI Castleberry. I'd watch that show. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. But yeah, Crime Scene Investigates. I mean, they currently connect, uh, collect evidence in our department and things like that. But a lot of the actual investigations are done through Seminole County. So that was exciting to have CSI Castleberry uh, maybe developing. What else? Oh, good news. Crime is down 13% year to date. Crime is down 13% year to date. Although there has been a slight uptick in residential burglaries, but they think they can know why. And it seems to some connection between them. So the police are investigating that. But let's just use this as a moment to encourage our listeners to lock their doors at night and put the windows up in the car and lock the car and all that kind of good yeah. stuff as well. And then- Andy, to that end, uh, just to, not to plug any one specific organization, but things like the happenings in Castleberry Page, uh, the neighborhood 
app or uh, email that goes around to citizens in the community. There's other forums in which people are spreading the word. I will tell you that I'm very thankful to live in Castleberry where word really does travel fast. And, and oftentimes we really are have individuals looking out for one another. So that's encouraging though, that as across the board, uh, crime is down. So that's, that is great. The city reported that they are um, changing their permitting process and they've gone all electronical. Uh, electronical is that a word? Electronical. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's a British word. Yeah, that's what we say all the time in England. <laughs> <laughs> They've gone to an electronic system, which will be more efficient for the users, the residents, those yes. who are needing permits, and it will be more efficient for the city as well. So, so that was good. We heard from the Kiwanis Club. Did you know that there's a very active Kiwanis Club in Seminole County that has some big reaches in Castleberry? And in fact, the president, Lady Called Marlene, lives in Castleberry. Lots going on in the city. And you will hear about one of those big things in our interview mm. coming up later. Purchase of the Castleberry House, which we understand has gone through as well. So lots of really exciting things that are happening in the community. We're trying to keep up with it all. And as we do, promise you that we will bring it to the WhatsApp Castleberry News Desk and share it with you as soon as we can. Church exists to glorify God by declaring with our words and demonstrating with our hands the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We invite you to come discover and deepen your relationship with Jesus. We believe you were created for more. Located between the communities of Castleberry and Winter Springs, Willow Creek Church is a warm, welcoming place that meets each and every Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship, as well as various Bible studies, small groups, social events, service outreach, and much more throughout the week. Check us out at willowcreekchurch.org or on Facebook at Willow Creek PCA. You are loved. Don't forget it. Welcome back, listeners. We are at the best part of the show because we have a very special guest today. In fact, today's guest is extra special. She and her family have a long and rich and impactful heritage in Seminole County and in Castleberry and has recently engaged in a project that I believe will make a difference and be helpful and interesting and useful for all of us. So welcome, Dr. Deborah Bauer. Thank you so much for being our guest today. We are thrilled that you are here. Just a little icebreaker. Uh, you're studying the Historical Castleberry Society. If there was a historical Deborah organization, what would be some of the significant pieces of information in that society or museum? I don't, I don't know. Is it, I mean, I don't want to make you sound old because I think you're younger than us. But <laughs> I would say that the Society for Historical Deborah would start out by saying that it was founded as a native Florida institution. Okay. Um, I'm born here in Winter Park, have lived in Castleberry all of my life. So I'm a native, uh, first generation Floridian, but but very much feel a part of, of the state. And it's always been home for me. In the course of, of having lived here all of my life, I would say the next thing that you would want to know about the Society for Historical Deborah would be the fact that um, really going back to when I was in elementary school, I always loved stories. Stories were very important to me. Stories were how I learned. And I turned what started out as a love of reading into a love of history. 
and decided to get my degree in it when I was an undergrad a very long time ago, although not too long ago. And eventually that culminated in me deciding to be a wild and crazy person. And I ended up applying to graduate school and I got a PhD in history from the University of South Florida. And my specialty is actually in Florida history. That's what I trained in. That's what I write about. That's what I wrote my dissertation on. That's what I published on. Wow. I love that. I am also a native Floridian. So go us. And Deborah, that's really, really interesting. Specifically, could, could you share with the listeners what you wrote your dissertation and, and published works on? Well, the official title was Trial and Error. And I came to that at the suggestion of a colleague because I said, Florida throughout its course of its history seems to have a lot that it's gotten right, but it's got a lot of things that it took a lot of chances and a lot of opportunities to have to go back and correct to get right. And my specific story was looking at how women and families impacted colonial Florida during the 1700s and ended up, uh, it started as a question because all of these people in graduate school, you have to write on something if you're going to be taken seriously in graduate school and have any success. And I always found what's most important to me in my life has always been my family. It's been my community. It's been the people who contribute to fulfilling and enriching my life. And then, of course, I, I hope if I'm doing things correctly, who I hope to make their lives better. And so I went to a professor and I said, I'm interested in studying women and families in Florida. And he said, I know about this lady who lived in St. Augustine a long time ago. I don't know much about her. She was from Boston. And he said, go see what you can find. And 10 years later, I turned it into a dissertations, fancy talk for basically a book. It was 336 pages of things that most people will probably never read. But um, I get to say that I wrote it, get to talk about it every so often to a non-captive audience that isn't my students. <laughs> nice. Let me lean in then a little bit to your mention of family and how important family is. Uh, you you said you're a first generation Floridian, but that your family has been involved in our community of Castleberry. Could you share about some of the family's collective involvement and why serving Castleberry specifically is so significant to who you are? My family's involvement in the local community began in 1973 when my parents moved to Castleberry. They were one of the original homeowners in what is the Sterling Park neighborhood of the Deer Run community lived there from 1973. My father still lives there. My mother lived there until her passing in 2013. And at that time, Sterling Park in Castleberry was the small little town that everyone thinks of it. It was Mayberry, RFKO. I'm probably not saying that right. Um, but think small <laughs> town where everyone knew what was going on. Some of the streets weren't even paved at that time. And it became one of the very first things that my mother and father became involved fighting for was street lighting. Deer Run. And that just very much became an example for me when I was growing up because my mother was constantly involved in things at Sterling Park Elementary, South Seminole, and Lake Howell, all three schools which I graduated from, along with my four brothers and sisters, through PTSA, through the school advisory committee, and all the way up until after her children graduated, my mother decided to run for public office and served as the District One school board member for 15 years before her passing. And I think that having learned from her, we uh, as a family just really have followed in the footsteps of our previous family members because public service has always been something that's very been very important. My father's a veteran. My grandfather was a veteran, as well as my aunt 
My aunt was involved in nursing at Winter Park Memorial Hospital for 20 years. We have several law enforcement officers in our family, as well as teachers. My uncle is a teacher and was a teacher here in Seminole County for almost three decades. Actually, it may have been more than that, but he'll probably call me after this and correct me when he hears it because <laughs> I don't remember the exact number. But suffice to say, each member of our family has contributed in their own way. And really, it's been something that not to be too corny or too cheesy, but the good old saying with great power comes great responsibility. And when we've had things like knowledge or experience that we felt that we could help contribute to make the community, to make the city of Castleberry and Seminole County a better place to live, although it's always been one of the best places to live, having lived here all my life, um, that's really a need that we felt to try to fulfill. And I hear from other people that we've done that to great success, but I know it's just always been an honor and a pleasure to serve. Well, how could you not serve after this long heritage of servants in your family? It's uh, probably in your DNA or something. You mentioned that your mom, way back when, was fighting for streetlights in Sterling Park, area of Castleberry. And today you're fighting another kind of fight, one that is uh, actually very important to me as well for some rather selfish reasons. But tell us about the Save Deer Run golf course project and where things are with that. Just a quick overview. So three years ago, I got a call from one of my neighbors who said, did you hear that the golf course is closing? Uh, not the Castleberry golf course, but the what was then known as the Country Club at Deer Run, an 18-hole golf course, semi-private golf course that was built in the mid-1970s and lived right across the street from one of the, I think it's the fourth tee, but don't quote me on that because I'm not a golfer, much <laughs> to my father's chagrin. I got this call and she said, did you know this? And I said, no, I would have heard about that because... I tend to always have my nose in the newspaper. Or I'm talking to people, talking to other neighbors. Mm -hmm. And I said, I haven't heard anything. So I said, let me find out and let me make some calls and see what I can confirm or, or deny because gossip is, is a horrible thing for residents. Sure. Although many people enjoy doing it. Uh, <laughs> we'd like to try and only tell truths, not half truths and misinformation so that people don't get upset needlessly. And came to find out that the owner at that time had decided he'd owned it for uh, many years since 2004, I believe. And he had decided that he could no longer financially keep it open as a golf course. And that was not so much a concern to us because the golf course had been open and closed a couple of times throughout its history. But what was concerning was the fact that there were rumors that he was planning to submit a development application for a single or possibly multifamily homes on the course. And very quickly after having made some calls and talking to people, it became clear that there was just too much misinformation out there. There were these rumors right. and I knew some of the things because of inheriting my mother's archives. I knew they weren't true. And so I started telling people, hey, what you're saying is either false, not true, partially true. And, and here's the evidence to either back up or, or prove what I was saying. Very quickly, that morphed into what is today the Save Deer Run Citizens Action Group nonprofit. We were founded in 2019, a couple of months after the golf course uh, made its intentions to close publicly known, which it did in Memorial Day of 2019. And over the past uh, almost three years now, we're coming up on three years, I can hardly believe it. We've worked to organize uh, Deer Run, which is for those of you who may be listening and don't know, it's the second largest PD and second oldest PD in Seminole County plan development. And we have over 3,000 homes and probably around eight or 9,000 residents who live in Deer Run. Wow. And within that, we have about 27 neighborhoods and 25 different HOAs. 
And we have no master association in Deer Run. And Save Deer Run was coordinated as a nonprofit to fight development, which we did because the owner eventually uh, did submit a development plan for almost 221 single family homes. And making our voice known, organizing, doing letter writing campaigns, uh, petitioning, talking with our elected officials, we eventually were able to bring our plight to the attention of Seminole County government. And where we are today, fast forward almost three years later, Seminole County is thinking about buying the golf course to convert it into a public park. And they are scheduled in uh, the July 27th Board of County Commissioners meeting to have a vote to see if they're going to enter into a contract to buy the, the property from the owner to make it a public park. Wow, what a thorough uh, overview. And uh, if you've, your home has ever been hit by a golf ball prior to 2019, Deborah, I apologize in advance. I've played that course a few times. Not, not a great <laughs> golfer myself, but I do hack away. <laughs> and it's a beautiful, beautiful green space. Uh, thank you for your efforts and making that stay a park as you project it will be. So Deborah, let, let's steer the conversation towards this new endeavor that you and some other citizens of Castleberry have kind of laid a path forward in, and that's the historic uh, society of Castleberry. Um, one of the prominent mottos, prominent mottos rather, that is on your webpage says that you exist to protect our history today for the benefit of tomorrow. Could you kind of share about the motto and, yeah. and the motivations behind this important work? So uh, this started uh, what became the seed that has since bloomed into the wonderful uh, organization of the Society for Historic Castleberry, which was officially founded in January of this year, was out of my work as a member of the board of directors for the Seminole County Historical Society, the County Historical Society that works with the Museum of Seminole County History. And what we realized is of the seven municipalities in the county, and as well as a couple of unincorporated areas, only Castleberry and Winter Springs did not have its own historical societies. And that was a question I asked, why not? Because southwestern Seminole County, where Castleberry is located, is, aside from Sanford, one of the oldest settled areas in the county. Our county history actually predates Longwood. It predates Altamont. It predates most of Oviedo. Chuliota and Geneva beat us just by a little bit. And up near Lake Jessup, portions of Winter Springs technically beat us a little bit. But the Lake Concord settlement, which dates to the Third Seminole War in the 1850s, was founded. And that's when really settlement in Castleberry can be dated to. And for a very long time, I think, I know certainly myself growing up, what I found is history in, in Castleberry was kind of an afterthought, if it was given any thought at all. There were a lot of, in the past, the city and its residents had other things it was fighting for, other things it was putting focus on, and there was less of an interest and common support to get involved with the preservation of cultural heritage and our historic past. And fortunately, really what I think has come as a result of the wonderful initiative that we've had for supporting our park system in Castleberry and natural lands, um, there's been this outswelling and outpouring of uh, wonderful interest in trying to preserve what we have left in the city that's historic. 
And about the time that I was trying to start the Historical Society, the son of the founder of the city of Castleberry, originally the town of Castleberry, Hibbard Castleberry Jr., his son, John, passed away in 2019. And John had lived at the family house over uh, near Castleberry Golf Course. It's called Brightwater. And the home, there was some talk of what was going to be done. The home is a beautiful three-story home. It's done in neoclassical design. It was designed by a very famous architect from Winter Park named James Gamble Rogers II, who's very well known for having done dozens of, of buildings throughout the state of Florida, including the U.S. Capitol building, as well as Casa Feliz over in Winter Park, in addition to several other buildings that I can't even think of. And so there were some people who reached out to me and said, we're interested in trying to preserve what's at Castleberry uh, history-wise in Brightwater. Can you help? And I said, yes, this is something that the Historical Society would love to get involved with. And so we've begun in the last few months working with the Castleberry family because there are still several descendants that live in the area and also with the city of Castleberry. The city commission and the city manager, Randy Newland, have been fantastic and above and beyond supportive in, in helping us to try and preserve uh, two things were, were very important at Brightwater. Number one, the house in the grounds, which I can say uh, just yesterday officially became a part of the city's park system because the uh, city took title of it yesterday. July 15th is, is the official date that it became a part of the city of Castleberry. And that's going to start what's probably going to be a two-year process to convert it into a, a park gardens light event center. But also, even more importantly, is a lot of times people have said, where is the history in Castleberry? And the answer was, aside from buildings, the actual artifacts, the documents were actually kept in the Brightwater house by the Castleberry family. Uh, John Castleberry and his sister and a number of, of the Castleberry family members were wonderful over the years. From the time Hibbard Castleberry arrived in Central Florida in 1926 up until his passing in 1969, and then his children and grandchildren working to preserve everything. They saved everything. Documents, letters, ledgers, photographs, maps, artifacts, anything that you can name from buildings, anything historical was in that house. And so wow. we've been partnering with the Museum of Seminole County History to preserve the documents, which are going to be uh, turned into really what I think will be the premier resource because the artifacts and documents in that house are not just the heart of history of Castleberry, but really all of Seminole County as well, because they predate the city, city being incorporated in 1940. The documents go back more than 30 years beyond that. And so really for the Museum of Seminole County History, it's going to become our crown jewel for uh, the Castleberry family collection is what we think the archive is going to be eventually named and eventually open to the public for research, but also artifacts. We already have helped move what was the bell that was originally in the fields in the 1920s and 1930s was very agricultural in nature. And they grew first a type of fern, plumiosa fern, and then later Belgian azaleas were the most common things grown by Hibbard Castleberry at what was first known as Winter Park Ferneries and then later Castleberry Gardens. And this brass bell, which I think I'm told only weighs 200 pounds, it felt like about 400 to 500 when we were <laughs> trying to move it. It's now at the museum and it's what the workers would hear when they were having shift changes and lunch. 
or if there was fires. And so that's going to be joining our agricultural exhibit at the museum, just as a way to try and preserve what we can to make available to the future, going back to that motto, because if we don't take care of it today, we won't have it for tomorrow to remember. Yeah, I love it. I saw that picture you posted on your Facebook page of the bell, and uh, it's like Castleberry's own little Liberty Bell piece of history. Deborah, I am very conscious of the time because I know you have two little ones to go and pick up. But I think one of the things that I'm learning is we got to have you back. You are a goldmine of Castleberry history. And history is so, so important because our past shapes our future. And man, I I just love what you're doing and so grateful for it. Just in the 30 seconds or so that we've got before you have to run out of the door, how can people connect with the historical Castleberry Society. The most obvious way is to go to our website, which is www.historiccastleberry.com. We also have an active Facebook page and Twitter account, which you can find us on. We're always posting information and fun facts there. But I'll also tell you that we are going to be having our first public event at the end of August, on August 28th. We are having, um, we're partnering with several nonprofits in the city, including Friends of the Park, to have an art festival. We're very excited to be able to announced that Art Fest at Castleberry is going to be held on Saturday, August 28th at Lake Concord Park from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. And all of the funds are going to benefit the Historical Society's work, both with the archival exhibit for the museum and also for restoration of the Brightwater property. Deborah, thank you so, so much, not just for your time today. We know you're a busy lady, but thank you for all that you're doing to capture the history of our city. It really does mean a lot, not just to our forefathers, but to us who are enjoying this beautiful city now and for those who will come after us as well. Thank you so much. Listeners, I'm sorry we had to rush through that interview, but we promise you that we will have Deborah back with some more interesting uh, facts and information about our history. History is so, so important if we're going to build the kind of future that we want. You have to know where you've come from to know where you're going. Just on a personal note, we as a podcast are so invested in the city that we decided to become one of the sponsors of the Historical Castleberry Society. We believe in what they're doing so much. It was a very reasonable fee, I think maybe a hundred bucks a year. And that gift is able to help them dig a little deeper and present the information in compelling, helpful ways for all of us. We would want to encourage you as well, perhaps you as a family, perhaps you as a local business, as a community organization would also like to help this important work of discovering and preserving our history. If you do, we would encourage you to go to the the website that Deborah mentioned and make a donation there. Every penny that we donate together to get behind this community activity uh, will help better tell and understand our story. So Deborah, thank you for all that you're doing. Friends would encourage you to go check out the Historical Society of Castlebury. Drew, inspire us. Thank you, Andy. Yes, indeed. We do love uh, the Society for Historical Castleberry is, and we love the citizens of Castleberry. And so I felt like it was appropriate to share a quote about love. This is the Swedish proverb. <laughs> life without love is like a year without summer. Life without love is like a year without summer. We are in sunny central Florida 
we have the beach, we have the sunshine, the rain, which brings the green grass and beautiful plants outside. We love summer in Florida. Well, maybe not all of us, but most of us love summer in Florida. But as this quote says, life without love is like a year without summer. If you think about it, if there was no summer, life would be pretty cold. Life would be pretty dark, be pretty damp, would not be pleasant to be around. So listener, maybe this is the wake up call for you to communicate with those that you love. Tell them that you love them. Spend time with those that you love. Reflect and demonstrate love to the way in which you interact with our community as a whole. Life without love is like a year without summer. Andrew, I just want you to know if life without love is like a year without summer, Robin, Drew, I summer you guys. Oh, Listeners, we are at the point where we need to tell you that we are grateful that you have listened to the What's Up Castleberry podcast, the longest running podcast in Castleberry and an award winning podcast. Thank you, Seminole County PTSA. We hope you've enjoyed this casual conversation about our community with our community and for our community. This podcast is produced by the lovely producer, Robin. For more information, please check our website, Facebook page, Instagram, or podcast feed, all with the name What's Up Castleberry. Like and subscribe to our podcast and please rate and review us if you like us. Until next time, we hope you have an amazing week. You know, you know, not only have a great week, but have a great summer, listener. I, I, I just am thinking, don't worry about a thing. It's summertime. Every little thing is going to be all right. going to be all right. That old Swedish proverb. <laughs> Sung in from <laughs> Bob Marley would be pleased. I don't think Bob Marley ever went to Sweden. This is the most chaotic podcast ever. <laughs> Speaking of Bob Marley. No, we're going to stop there.